This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hey, we've got a special show for you today. With two major releases in November, both on a tabletop and for the computer screen, the Dune Imperium game is bigger and more accessible than it's ever been. Today, we're thrilled to speak with two special guests from Direwolf Digital, the game's creators. This is Marcus, your editor at dunewsnet.com, and I'm also here with Mark, who I'm sure has played every Dune game that ever existed. <laughs> Hi, uh, good to be back. Um, I'm not sure about played them, but I've, I've certainly collected um, more than a few of the Direwolf games. Um, they all can't fit on the screen. But yeah, card games, video games, board games, uh, I've got the lot, I think. Lots of fun. And now a big welcome to Scott Mark Martins and Paul Denon. Uh, Scott is Direwolf's Dig Digital's founder and president, and uh, Paul is creator, creative director and designer of Dune Imperium. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot for having us. Um, I'm, I'm Scott, I'm uh, the president. Uh, what do I do? Uh, <laughs> it caused trouble. <laughs> um, I do a lot of our biz dev, uh, and obviously, you know, we're we're a, uh, a company of around eighty-five people uh, with our feet in both digital and physical. So we have a lot of projects going on at any given time. So uh, kind of work with our production team to keep everything keep everything rolling. And I'm Paul Denon. Um... I basically am on the creative design side of things. I used to be a programmer. Uh, I used to program video games and then kind of transitioned to full-time design. I mean, Scott, you were the one who convinced me to stop programming. You're better at design. So <laughs> I did. Uh, so yeah, and and uh, we transitioned from video games to tabletop and we still do both actually right. now, but we added tabletop to our repertoire back in 2016. With the launch of Clank that, that uh, went on to do very well for us. So uh, thanks for having much. us, by the way. Yeah, yeah. appreciate yeah, that. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, and as we ask all of our first time guests on Dune Talk, we want to hear from both of you. How did you first get into Dune? First? Uh, sure. Um, uh, a, an older relative cousin gave me a set of books when I think I was in grammar school, sixth grade, something like that. It was uh, The Hobbit, Stranger in a Strange Land, and Dune, uh, all kind of in a in a package together. It was like the the inception. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I, I, I very quickly became a Lord of the Rings just nut. Um, I got very into Lord of the Rings, read it over and over, um, uh, read Dune soon thereafter and, and loved it. Um, and uh, got the Stranger in Strange Lands a little later when I was a little older, and really appreciated that as well. So it was kind of a, a, you know, your influential works uh, kind of thing uh, for me. Uh, for me, somewhat similar. I had an older brother, about four years older than me, who was a much more avid reader than I was, and he had a big bookcase filled with uh, various classic sci-fi books from. 50s, 60s, 70s, and uh, but I think that I saw the movie first. I think when it came out, was it 1984? Um, I went to see the movie and I was very confused by the movie that, uh, back then, but also very intrigued. 
So I then went to read the books because my brother had already read the books and was telling me about all the differences and that I should read the books. So I did, and I really enjoyed them. Uh, I was, you know, a teenager, maybe 14 or 15 when I first uh, read Dune. Right. And uh, yeah, one thing that's fun about being uh, near the community is uh, we often hear from people who want to learn learn more or like uh, check out some of the new new products. And we actually do regularly get uh, questions from uh, from fans who are interested in trying out the games, but are not sure, you know, which one of these should I pick? Which one should I try first? So in terms of, you know, if you had to do an elevator pitch to those people, how would you describe Dune Imperium and the type of game that it is? Um. Yeah, Dune Imperium is more of a modern style board game. It's kind of a hybrid game. Uh, you know, it uses what some would call Euro mechanics, um, and, but also very thematic mechanics at the same time. And it tries to fuse those two together to create a somewhat immersive experience where you feel like you are a leader of a great house of the Landsrad in the universe of Dune. It's not trying to recreate the story in a kind of narrative fashion. It's not a role-playing game, not even close to that. It's more of a pure strategy game. Yeah, a blend of worker placement and deck building. Um, I remember, I think when like the first prototype came together for this, I was like, oh, this is like, I don't know. There's there's something about the way the board was laid out uh, like the first time I sat down to it that felt very resonant uh, to me, uh, which was kind of an interesting thing to to focus on, but um, in terms of like elevator pitch for people who might be looking to get into um, playing Dune Imperium in some fashion, um, if you're if you're brand new to, I mean, well, you know, we're going to probably get into discussing Uprising here, but if you're brand new to the line, Dune Imperium itself is a great place to start. And also, you know, we just launched Dune Imperium Digital. It's got a really great tutorial in it. It's a really great way to learn the game, uh, as we found with others of our digital board game adaptations, especially um, games, well, for example, like Root, which are a little more complicated. Um, these are a great kind of non-threatening way to sit down and uh, learn how to play in a, in, in a kind of safe environment. Great. So let's go ahead and dive into the origins, game design, movie connections, and latest updates on Dune Imperium. So I'm actually really curious to hear how all of it began. Maybe this is a question for you, Scott. What, what led to Darwolf creating a Dune game, and how did you decide on the type of game that it would become? Yeah, uh, was it 2018, I think? Uh, Gen Con 2018. Um, a, a gentleman, a friend of ours, uh, Joe Lafabi from Genuine Entertainment, um, uh, had approached us. He was a fan of Clank and a fan of Paul's work and, and our stuff. Um, had approached us about maybe doing a kind of licensed tie-in with Clank. Um, and uh, we had, you know, this was all kind of meeting for the first time in Gen Con. Um, and then I think the same day, uh, he, along with Gale Force 9, announced a kind of a master tabletop license for Dune. Was that announcement made then? Sounds yeah, right. Yeah, because their game, the first one came out in 2019. Yeah, next yeah. Year. So, so we... We raced over and said, hey, <laughs> we love Dune. How about that? <laughs> um, and Paul and I both being fans of it. Um, and so those conversations kind of heated up pretty quickly. Um, and we ended up kind of sending over a pitch um, 
uh, and getting we, we did the deal we, we somewhere along the way kind of an initial pitch for a, a deck building type game kind of you know since they were fans of clank i think that was the expectation to start with um and then along the way it became something else kind of almost entirely um but yeah that first contact was from from joe reaching out to us um Great. Uh, and as you've described, the Dune Imperium, it's uh, part board game. Uh, the deck building element makes it unique every time. And you've woven in the uh, the lore of the Dune universe actually into the mechanics as well. So I'm just wondering, what were some of the other games and influences uh, that inspired the mechanics of the game? Um, you know, a lot of times you'll pick like, like a, a light in the distance to guide you. In, in this case... We actually picked the classic Dune game, the, the Avalon Hill that became then Gale Force 9, uh, remade it in 2019. We picked that as a light to specifically stay away from. Uh, we didn't, we, we, we love that game. It's a great game. Uh, I have, I have the old Avalon Hill version at home and we're at the office now, so I can't show it off. But I, I just bought one with a sting cover on eBay. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know there was a sting cover. <laughs> Woo! Um, so basically, we, we didn't want to get too close to that game. Um, so, and, and that game kind of shows some really fun things, such as each player gets to be one of the famous factions, like somebody will be the Fremen or will be the Bene Gesserit, et cetera. Um, so that kind of, you know, knowing that we wanted to make something distinct yet resonant in Dune, I think one of my first choices was, well, those factions are going to be almost like NPC factions. They're, Players aren't going to be them. You as a player will instead be a house leader. And it's up to you to kind of manage the political status and manage your relationships with not only the other players in a fairly combative way, but um, with those factions in a more political way. Um, as far as games that guided us on the more positive side, it would be um, games such as, you know, the, the classic deck builders like uh, Dominion, although I think Dune Imperium kind of takes a pretty different spin because most deck builders, you play out your whole hand and you, you just take your turn and here's what I've got and here's what I'm doing. And you just kind of like juggle, you know, almost like a, a circus clown doing something fancy on your turn. But in Dune Imperium, it's much more Methodical. incremental and, yeah. and you, know, you take you play one card, pass to the next player. Um, so I hadn't seen a game like that. I mean, I mean, I, I guess there's there's probably plenty of games that have tension, right? With like, what are other players going to do? Probably worker placement games general, are, yeah. are, are are good guiding force for that side of the game. Yeah, I really enjoyed the the way that the the game changes where as the deck changes, and you've got to try and discard certain cards or or build the deck. That's that's really f uh, an interesting, intriguing element. Uh, you talked about the Benny Gesserit, another. Um, characters and uh, factions in the game and you've drawn from both the novel and the look of the movie and also some of the expanded universe from the other books uh, were there any particular elements of the lore that you really wanted to get into the game or you couldn't get working or were really happy of how they turned out i think uh, let me just preface this by saying that one of the really cool things about this whole experience has been how uh, Genuine and Gale Force 9 and, and Legendary in particular have kind of given us the freedom to use the visual style of, of Denise's movies 
um, and create, right? We've been able to create some characters and some costuming and, and things like that that have kind of made uh, made their way to other Dune products in, in the in the kind of overall line and franchise. Uh, so that was really fun. I mean, and and we, you know, at, as you're you're asking, we got to sort of bring in stuff from the novels that weren't directly in the movies, uh, but um, you know, in, in, in the extended universe. I think the the thing the, the one that everybody <laughs> everybody tends to cite as the chair dog as as being kind of a fun a fun addition to the game. But you know, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, there was just so much material when we first came out with Dune Imperium that we actually probably knew at the time, hey, if this if this is successful enough to make expansions, X Tleilax, they're going right. to have to be part of it. But there was just too much for them to be part of it right up front. Right. Um, so. Up front, it was more about establishing, you know, the most common, you know, the most famous characters from the core story. Um, and because I, I don't think Ix and Tleilax get much, you know, play in the sure. first book, right? They're, sure. they're kind of mentioned in the appendix. Um, so it was about getting like a good suite of house leaders. And we had to stretch and, and bring in some leaders that, you know, a lot of Dune fans probably have never heard of because they're in, in some of the extended stuff. Um, we even got to invent a character that we maybe want to talk about as a separate topic. But um, yeah, getting like Duncan, Thufir, Gurney, all, all those characters into the game was fun. And, you know, it is a what if game, very much so. Being a deck builder, it's kind of hard to allocate out like you're going to have this and you're going to have this because part of the fun with deck building is the player agency you get to decide how to build your deck and you also, know, also the re the variety and the replayability that that brings oh yeah absolutely um so you know we we basically threw those characters which are tend to be harkonnen and, and atreides heavy into the main deck um so that anybody can acquire them as if like what if duncan had been found by you know house torvald instead of a trading right. uh, that, that's actually an interesting point tying to, to my next question because there, there's always that balance in the gameplay at one point um you know do you really like try to remain really true to the lore and at what points you just want to make sure that there's a good good game so uh in terms of the leader mechanics and as you mentioned like having those main characters in the deck where anybody can access them how did you uh, find that balance? Um, for me, it's about being evocative with Dune more so than strictly um, resonant with the narrative, I guess. You know, you, you want any one individual piece to resonate with a player. When you, you look at a card um, and, you know, you look at Duncan, you want him to have something to do with fighting, right? He better be good at fighting in a Dune Imperium. You can kind of reveal cards and they add swords to your reveal turn, which helps you win combat. So Duncan clearly had to have like more than one sword on him. Um, you know, arguably I, you could say that I misstepped with Duncan and that I didn't tie him to the Fremen right away um, because I wasn't quite sure whether to, like I wanted, I gave him like a water-based mechanic to, as a nod to the Fremen. I didn't want to overtly say, he is a Fremen tagged card, but we kind of got there eventually by releasing a promo. One, one of our first promos, I think, where Fremen was not only now tagged with Fremen and could go visit the Fremen, which makes a lot of sense. That promo also resonated with his people who watch this 
know the story, right? <laughs> with you know, with with a major event that happens uh, where you can like trash the dunking card itself to do a very powerful thing. So so yeah, it's all about being um, singularly evocative. And for me, like a big thing about matching Dune was getting that feeling of tension, competition, nervousness, uh, and and the core mechanic. Even though it's not really like I can't point at the core mechanic as like this is this looks like Dune. It feels like Dune when you play it. And that was very important to me. That's great. One of the, um, there's many uh, features of the game that caught the, uh, you know, the attention of the Dune community. And as it was released around the time of the pandemic, one of the, the nice features was the app, the companion app that you uh, distributed that allowed for people to play one-player game or expanded two-player games. What challenges did you face while trying to create a game which probably wasn't designed to be played during a pandemic, uh, but to allow that to be played in smaller and larger groups? Yeah, I think it was a last-minute call, kind of, at, at the end of the day, where like we really we really have to have this, given kind of where, where in the world we all were. <laughs> um, we had done solo support before I, I believe uh, as app yeah as as yeah as app driven stuff for clank so we had quite a bit of experience doing companion app support for for the clank line um and and we obviously want to continue to grow that app and that part of the business it's kind of a, a great way to add value and content for for players of our games um but yeah we were kind of getting down to the wire on shipping this to um, the factory and we kind of made a call that we, you know, we really needed to make sure that solo solo was included. And it, it, I, I, I personally played a, a lot of play tested a lot of the, you solo. Were the primary play tester. Yeah. Of solo yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it just turned out great. I mean, it's come to be pretty well regarded as a solo game, which you wouldn't have necessarily expected up front. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't have expected it. I, you know, we had to make the, what we call the house Hegel deck which plays as like a third party, you know, house leader kind of when you are in a two player game, even you use right. that deck because the core mechanics of Dune Imperium very much are predicated around at least three groups fighting over these conflicts and deciding whether to push their troops in hard um, to try to win the spoils of war. And with only two players, it fell too flat. So we needed to invent it for two player and then it was a pretty reasonable transition to solo when in fact it wasn't invented right. for solo play at all. We, you know, I'm sure we, we tweaked it and then we came up with additional rules for solo play. And did that experience help with doing the Dune Imperium digital one? Because uh, the AI in that uh, seems very smart. Um, and I think I need to launch a jihad against it, but uh, it's, it's, it's kicking me quite a few times. Yeah, it's interesting because... Um... AI is, I guess, I guess to first answer your question, I don't know that it was necessarily uh, directly influential on the quality of the AI for, for the app. Um, uh, AI is tough in these games. Um, I think, I think design, like, and, you know, I think maybe not everyone knows, but we've done a lot of digital board game uh, adaptations to digital and Dune Imperium is our first of our own games. 
um, that, we, that we've adapted. And I think having the team and Justin in particular, who kind of worked so much on as a developer for Dune Imperium in the first place, also be kind of our AI expert helped a lot. We, we know this product like the back of our hand. We're also learning and getting better at AI in, in, in general. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know that Hegel and and the, the quality of the app AI are, are kind of necessarily correlated. So as uh, we've alluded to, the, the movie, Denise Villeneuve's uh, latest movie is Dune Part 1, and now uh, in just a few months, uh, Dune Part 2, they've definitely driven a huge Dune revival. It's been like uh, decades where there were literally no Dune games being created, and now there's so many being being released at one time. How has Dar Wolf experienced this, um, this uh, like creating licensed products for such a huge sci-fi property and what sort of collaboration and feedback uh, mechanisms are, are involved in all of that? Yeah, I mean, we like it was interesting. I, um, we've done as a as a team in our our, our previous company, and 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 Paul and I and, and and Ryan and others have worked on IP games in the past. Um, uh, we did an EverQuest TCG, a Star Wars Galaxy <laughs> TCG, <laughs> like our our digital TCGs. It's which is kind of our roots. Um, many were were um, collaborations with other big IP holders. <laughs> One of the cool things was we were supposed to release right, you know, kind of very near the re the release of the original movie and it got delayed a year. Um, and like, it was awesome. Legendary, you know, our understanding is that a lot of other licensees were not allowed to kind of release their products and had to wait. And we basically got a year uh, as kind of the Dune product related to the movie uh, kind of on our own. So we had a couple of bites at the Apple. Uh, so that was super cool of them and, and a, a good opportunity for, for the game. Um, we've talked a little bit about the process stuff just in terms of like um, them giving us the freedom to kind of invent and explore using the IP. So, the, you know, there wasn't, there were, you know, we got a lot of good feedback from, from the legendary team and from, from Joe again, who's kind of helps manage that relationship. Uh, along the way, but they kind of trusted us to do our thing. Obviously, you have to go out for actor approvals on likenesses and, and and things like that. So that process, you know, there was a little bit of back and forth, but everybody, you know, in that process was was awesome as well. And and the Herbert estate, you know, they they, you know, some of the things that Paul and the team came up with kind of went to them for their blessing. Um, so overall, I would just say that it was very supportive and kind of rare you know i mean in, in you don't you don't always get the opportunity to sort of create like that with an ip like this yeah it's interesting because as, as you mentioned i remember we did get the first look at a couple of characters through the through the artwork of course not ex exactly but uh, yeah it gave a pretty good good idea of, uh, of how they're going to look like in the, in the movie so i know that a lot of people pr probably caught their attention that way so looking at your uh, recent releases, so Dune Imperium Uprising, and I see the, the box uh, there behind uh, Paul, that, that was released uh, mid-November, and it basically works as both a standalone game and uh, as well with the previous expansions. And we, we've actually heard, I'm not sure if that's the official stance, but uh, heard it being called a 2.0 version that basically improves on, on various uh, elements from the Dune Imperium game that was released in 2020. Uh, so how has feedback from that original game and its expansions influenced the, the design for Uprising? I guess uh, the, the first thing I'll, I'll say, and Paul's going to probably address most of this from the kind of, you know, uh, learnings and such, is I don't know that we necessarily intended it as a 
improvement kind of no, thing starting, no, uh, starting yeah we we would not really condone the 2.0 would we nah, like it, in, it, in it, a it, sense it is but it's, yeah it's hard it's hard so so here's the thing like i think one of the things that that we've experienced that also has surprised us is that dune dune imperium has become a very like competitive lifestyle game for a lot of players right there are people on tabletop simulator um, um and kind of all over who play this game a lot hundreds of times right um that was one of the fun things about i don't know if you if you caught our kind of mr beast tournament a few months ago but we we wanted to create something that allowed us as fans to get to play in the sandbox of the new movie a um and b like you know feed those fans of of the game who wanted more and wanted something fresh right um, we still think, and I still think and say all the time that, as I said earlier, like Dune Imperium is a great starting point for new players to align. Uprising is a little more complex, a little, a little more cutthroat. Um, so it, it, for us, it kind of falls on that, on that curve of kind of a, a, a new release for people who love the game and want more of it. Um, you know, in terms of like the mechanics and the design and kind of improvements and such, like yeah, I agree with everything you just said. It really, uh, we had already come out with two expansions before this. So when you had Dune Imperium and then you added Rise of Ix and that came with like an overlay board, and then you add Immortality, which is about the Tleilaxu, and that adds another board. We had a decision to make. We could have approached this as like. This is another additional thing that you will stack on top of Dune Imperium and Rise of Ix and Immortality or do some combination of them as you want. But because of the movie, I think it, there was, it just felt like a good opportunity to change things up in a bigger way, like kind of almost like not quite a table flip, but like pulling the rug out from underneath like the competitive players and giving them a new rug that is it's very similar in many ways, but very different and makes them kind of recalculate and approach how they evaluate the game and uh, their moves and card plays very differently. Like the, the biggest example is just combat is much more important and um, given much more weight in the uprising game. And to us, that was just natural, right? The second movie, we expect to be much more of an action movie with big battles, right? So Did you see the trailer today? <laughs> yeah. I, I, one, you know, one other kind of just going back a, a few points in the middle of Paul's um, uh, notes there was, you know, one of the points that we got or one of the points of feedback that we got after Immortality came out was like, hey, this is great and this is all working together. But, if, but you know, like what is one step too far in terms of kind of having a bloated experience versus, uh, you know, kind of a fresh tight experience with with a new product but that would still you know kind of work work with the 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 content that people had already kind of bought into so yeah so you know combat worms were the big thing right like when i was first brainstorming uprising mechanics this guy sent me i sent him an email about like how cool i thought spies were going to be and he was like, where are the worms? <laughs> Some kind of quote from the graduate or something yeah. came back to me. Got one word, word for you, kid. Worms. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think Uprising is like a very refreshing way to play if, if you're a veteran of, of Dune Imperium because you don't 
need to feel like your brain is being weighed down by like another system that sits on top of other systems. You can set those aside, play Uprising, have your brain kind of relearn uh, the system. And then if you're the kind of player who likes to play dozens or even hundreds of times, you can now bring back Rise of Ix and bring back Immortality and they're all kind of compatible. Even the base game cards are compatible with Uprising. It's not as easy to add the base game because you'll end up with a giant stack of cards and sure. that, that's always going to be an issue with like deck building games, right? You probably don't play with all of your toys at the same time. Also in mid-November, we had Dune Imperium Digital, which launched on Steam. So that basically offers players an official way to play the, the original game on their screen, currently on PC, but I understand it's coming to tablets uh, soon. Um, so I know that you originally went with the approach of tabletop for Imperium. So what are now your greatest hopes with launching on digital platforms? Yeah, I think for us, it was, you know, not, as I said earlier, like this is the first of Direwolf's board games that we've done digitally and we're, we're working on uh you know we have a fairly big team we're working on digital board game adaptations for other awesome games with awesome partners um i think i think for us you know getting the dune ip out there getting this very well regarded game out there for you know potential uh broader reach new players you know uh access to to people who like strategy games but aren't necessarily um able to play tabletop games or or not necessarily focused on that space I, you know for us it was just a natural extension of 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 the uh the ip as a whole so uh, just looping back onto something you mentioned earlier you talked about uh creating um new characters for the game uh, i'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about um how the uh how that goes with working with the herbert estate and the uh, the approval process of introducing effectively a new character into the June canon. Yeah, it was, I mean, we, you know, Joe, who I mentioned, Joe LaFabi um, is, is basically the, the producer that handles approvals and communication with our, with the, the licensors on all of this stuff. And he has done this a long time. He's great at it. Uh, he kind of handled a lot of that for us and handled some of the back and forth on, on, both ends, right? With with me and with with them, um, there wasn't a whole lot to it other than us coming up with a, a few ideas and submitting them. A couple didn't work. A couple needed to be tweaked. You know that that sort of thing. Um, so little little bit of a black box from our perspective, but ultimately kind of a lot of support in in terms of our you know being able to add stuff to the game that helped us make a better product. Yeah, we didn't really do it like willy-nilly. Like we didn't do it a lot. We did it when it was absolutely critical to do, such as, hey, the first game had, we wanted to have four different great houses. We obviously had to pick the Atreides and the Harkonnen. And then after that, what did we do? The Richese. And we had kind of two famous characters from that house. But then the fourth house was kind of a, well, you know, what do we do? And we picked uh, the Torvalds who were mentioned in, I want to say House Carino, but I'm not a, I'm not 100% sure they started in House Carino. Um, but we basically wanted a second leader from House Torvald because we found an interesting character um, from that book. And we were able to, it, it was kind of fun being able yeah. to create a character that got added to the universe in a, in a sense. Um, She's actually a spice addict, and when you harvest spice, 
you actually get one less spice to draw a card, kind of representing the spice addict ability in that way. And then we did a similar thing. We added a, a leader in Rise of Ix for the Moritani house because there weren't really two. There, you know, I think the, the main leader there had a son who was ill. And we didn't want to use him, so we invented um, a princess, and we even put her in quotes um, as if she was maybe a smuggler who they kind of welcomed into the, the house in a way like she earned her, her way in via fighting and uh, smuggling. So I, I really enjoyed the process and I was pleasantly surprised that it went smoothly. And you're right, those weren't necessarily the first first asks. You know, we, right. we tried a couple different things, but uh, it was fun. It's good to hear. Um, so it's been around a month since the release of um, Dune Imperium Uprising and the digital game that's available now on Steam. Um, so I'm just wondering, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've had lots of be- feedback from the Dune uh, community. So is there anything interesting that you've learned or any feedback that surprised you? Um, I think, you know, the what's the, I, I feel like the momentum for Uprising in particular has gone from like, people going, what the hell is this thing <laughs> to, to really appreciating, appreciating it. Um, you know, I think the, as it gets into, as it, as it becomes less of a, you know, a theory, like somebody reading something on a screen and it gets into people's hands, I think they're really enjoying it. Um, and as players, especially hardcore players do, you know, they're modding it and tweaking it and doing all the things that they do. But it's all been, you know, very positive. I think we just hit extremely positive on Steam for Dune Imperium Digital, which is awesome for early access. We're about to, I don't think this has been announced yet, but we're about to start testing our event system here, hopefully this week or next week with kind of a tournament infrastructure built into the game. Obviously, as part of early access, we're getting a lot of good UX feedback and working out kinks and bugs. But overall, I'd say it's just been like very pleasantly surprised with how positive it's all been. Yeah, it's still early days um, in terms of when you release a tabletop game, you know, some people will buy it, not be able to play right away, right? It's not the same as buying a video game, you know, and being able to play solo, you know, I grind it all weekend. You have to generally find your friend group and and play some games with them. And sometimes it will take weeks or months um, for that feedback loop to get back to us. But early signs have been positive, the hardcore players who probably played the most at this point and, and have had a lot of great things to say. And um, the, the thing that's made me the happiest is like hearing certain hardcore players say like, wow, I'm losing all the time in the new game, but I'm having fun learning how to play differently because it means it, it was a successful rug pull because it made them like have to reevaluate um, how to approach the game. And does Direwolf um, interact with the community a lot? Uh, you've got your own Discord. How how else do you interact with the both the Dune community and the uh, board game community as a whole? Yeah, it's. I mean, we we do. It's relatively light, I guess I would say. Our Discord. You know, we are in our Discord and we answer questions. I know Paul answers a lot of questions on Board Game Geek, and and we both answer questions. So do I. Um, we both. Uh, answer questions on discord um we kind of let the community do its own thing in large part and 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 kind of talk to one another and answer questions for one another when when they can and if clarifications are needed we'll we'll hop in um obviously there's some back and forth on the steam forums with the you know uh 
reacting to feedback and and asking for clarification when people are having issues and all all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'd say you know probably at this point it's a it's a fairly light touch. You know we we recognize and appreciate the community. Um, um, and you know it's it's extensive in some ways because we've got a lot of different types of products. Um, yeah, we have a Facebook group too. Yeah. And, but a lot of times, by the time we see the question, multiple people have already answered correctly. So right. a lot of times, I'll just you know click thumbs up on yeah, yeah, like yeah. the the good answer, and that's uh, kind of an easy way to interact. That's always a good good sign, right? If the, if the community is uh, helping each other as well, <laughs> right? And and it looks like uh, at least from from uh, looking, it looks like you've really built out a um, a vibrant organized placing when it comes to your digital card game Eternal. I, I hear a lot about it, and I see a lot of activity going around there, especially very competitive. And um, I think Scott, you were mentioning that earlier about how for Dune Imperium, like surprisingly, that there are a lot of uh, highly competitive uh, players. Do you believe that Dune Imperium? as itself is, is a game that can support like that level of uh, competition and or do you think it's uh, strengths are more on the social side? No, I, absolutely. Uh, I, I think, you know, that's one of the things, you know, the, the, the Mr. Beast tournament was a tournament and it was like full of many, many very good players uh, who had played many hours of, of, of Dune Imperium overall. Lucky Duck Games, our, our French partner, is running a whole uh organized play kind of lead up to a world championship uh, in in 2024 uh, i think that's just getting underway here in in january we've uh, run north american championships for june imperium the last couple of years at gen con yeah we absolutely think that there's good support and a good product there for competitive scene i think we're we're still kind of working on how to tie all of these things together but you know for example uh, for the Mr. Beast tournament, we invited um, the last year's French champion, uh, the last two Gen Con champions, um, and things like that. So we're trying to, even if it's not formal, kind of honor the successes of, of the people who've uh, done well in competitive play so far. And when it comes to the future of events, uh, tournaments, um, now, now that you have both the tabletop experience and the digital experience, how do you see those coming together? What would be your ideal state for competitive play across those two? I think digital potentially gives us the opportunity to allow more people to participate around the world um, in different levels of play. And so perhaps, you know, there's some kind of qualifiers or, or such in the in digital that can then feed into a physical event or, or, or something like that. But we do see them as potentially working together, um, we're, but we're in the midst of kind of figuring out exactly what that looks like. And uh, we, we also had a, a very positive re review about the game from our reviewer. It's up now on dunewsnet.com, and it was actually someone who's normally more into video games, not as much into board games, but they, they really enjoyed the experience of, you know, getting to learn the game digitally and play multiplayer. The main con, I guess, is that like, there's not a parity currently between the digital and physical. So we have to wait until right. the, the expansions uh, come out. Like, how, how do you see that in terms of uh, priorities? Is that something you're hoping to, uh, to get out soon and eventually have that parity? Or do you see that tabletop will always be, I guess, um, ahead in a way? Um, ideally, we, we can catch up. Um, but we'll see how it goes, right? Uh, um, yeah, it's it. You know, uh, digital has gone pretty smooth so smoothly so far. Um, you know, we I think we will prioritize adding the 
adding X and immortality over the next, you know, six to nine months, but not sure exactly what that's going to end up looking like yet. And then as a last question, tying into Dune Imperium Digital or, or, or Uprising, uh, I know that early access is uh, supposedly not going to last too long. I think uh, it was mentioned uh, when it first launched, it was going to be around three months. Uh, is, is that still the plan? Is there anything else that uh, players can expect in the, in the next weeks, uh, months? Yeah, we have a pretty big patch coming out this week. Fingers crossed if it goes well. Otherwise, next week, if we need a, a few more days, um, that'll add Chinese language support um, and the, and also this event system that we're talking about, as well as continuing to, uh, um, you know, kind of iterate on bugs and UX issues. Um, we are working on tablet uh, support, um, so that that should be coming relatively soon in, in the process. Um, but other than that, you know, I think it's it's sort of refining and kind of listening to player feedback and and trying to make the, the experience as good as we can. Scott and Paul, it's been a pleasure talking to the both of you today and uh, hearing all these, these valuable insights about Dune Imperium. Uh, before we go, any final thoughts for the player community or those thinking about checking the, the game out for the first time? Or uh, if, if you want to, are there any other direwolf projects that you're currently working on and would like to mention? Uh, you know, I mean, we've got a lot going on, you know, we're, we're shipping out board games for holidays from our warehouse. Uh, obviously you can visit direwolfdigital.com and, and kind of see what we're up to in terms of news and, and follow us on, on social channels. Um, but no, I mean, you know, I, I think the, the big thing is that we appreciate the support that, that, uh, Dune Imperium and our other products have gotten and the, the strong communities that have kind of formed around them and makes it all very gratifying for for a team who's very passionate about making great experiences for people. Yeah, and I was I, I would love to talk about the things I'm working on, but I, I usually <laughs> work on things that are like about a year off, and it's it's just way too early to. Uh, there are some good ones. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's excited. Fun. Really exciting. Um, yeah, th thanks thanks again to both of you and uh, Mark. Uh, th thanks for joining uh, late in your evening. Uh, where can people keep up to date with uh, with you? Thanks for having me back on again. It's been uh, great to talk to Direwolf Digital about their uh, games, both physical and digital. Uh, go buy it on Steam now. Um, yeah, people can find me at June Info on all the socials. So I hope to see you there. Thanks, everybody, for um, for watching and uh, listening. It's uh, been, been a great time to hear about the game. Ch check it out if you have your hand already. And look forward to a lot more um, news, reviews, and interviews in the upcoming uh, weeks and months ahead. For now, take care. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to dunenewsnet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.